Welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Every week, we'll be talking shop with lacrosse goalies, coaches, and special guests. This is the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Now your host, Coach Damon Wilson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, goalies from around the world, welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Damon Wilson. And on this show, it is my job to track down the best lacrosse goalies, best coaches, the best trainers in our sport, interview them, and tease out the details of what makes them so good in the crease. Tips that you can use to improve your own lacrosse goalie game. My guest today on the show is none other than Jim Beardmore. Jim Beardmore is a former All-American lacrosse goalie and coach. He was formerly the head coach of the Hamburg Warriors B team, He's the son of former University of Maryland coach and lacrosse Hall of Fame inductee Buddy Beardmore. Jim attended the University of Maryland after graduating from the Severn School in Severna Park, Maryland, a lacrosse hotbed, and in 1987, playing goalie at the University of Maryland. He was awarded the C. Marklin Kelly for National Goalie of the Year. In addition, he's got All-American honors, ACC Player of the Year, first team All-ACC, Tons of awards. He played five seasons in the in the MLL with the Washington Wave, Pittsburgh Bulls, back when those were teams. Heck, back when the MLL existed. Uh, Beardmore also served as the head coach of the Denver Outlaws in the MLL and has served as the head coach for a number of high schools, including Severna Park. In this episode, we chat about the life of Jim Beardmore, how he became such a great goalie, and so much more. Hope you enjoy this episode with the great Jim Beardmore. Before we begin this episode, I want to read a word from our sponsor, and that is the Lax Goalie Rat Academy, the premier stop for online lacrosse goalie training. So many people don't know this, but I actually started playing in college. I started playing goalie in college when our team needed a backup goalie. So I know firsthand a lot of the problems that youth goalies face. Because guess what? I had them all. Scared of the ball, flinching at the shot, no idea how to make a save, super shy in your communication. It just sucks. It really sucks. It, it makes lacrosse not fun, right? And you know, with the help of coaches and mentors and just pure hard work, I eventually figured it out. At the end of my four-year collegiate career, I was an all-American goalie. I figured it out. And that is awesome. What an awesome feeling of just knowing that you're a leader of the team, you can make saves, you're helping the team win, you get mobbed by your team after the game. Such an amazing feeling. And that's why I put together the Lax Goalie Rat Training Academy to give the youth goalies out there the knowledge, the inspiration, the encouragement, the community to be a great lacrosse goalie it's only 40 bucks a month so much valuable content in there check it out at laxgoalierat.com slash goal that's laxgoalierat.com slash goal enjoy this episode i am here with jim beardmore jim how are we doing today i'm doing just great partner that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. I thought we'd start um, back, you know, when you were a kid, like growing up in the Beardmore household, what was, um, 
like what was the importance of sports? At what age did you start? Did you play anything else besides athletics? I thought we could start there. No, you know, it was wicked cool. My, both of my parents, obviously my father, but, and my mom, they, they brought us up that physical activity was extraordinarily important in our lives. I remember my father taking me to play racquetball when I was, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, going to the athletic club. My mom was involved with um, aerobics. She was one of the very first Jackie Sorensen's aerobics teachers back in the seventies. And so, I mean, just, just being active in sports was a big part of our lives. And you know what? Uh, I am so happy that my parents did that. They instilled the value of, um, of taking care of your body and being involved in sports. Um, you know, they were great. Both of them. Yeah. So, sounds a lot like my dad. Like if there's one thing my dad taught, uh, taught me was the love of sports. And, and, you know, I was that kid playing soccer at, at six and, and playing all sorts of sports. And my dad was out there coaching, even though he had no idea, like, you know, about some of the sports he, he was all in. So it uh, sounds like we're very much alike in that way. So at what age did you start playing lacrosse? Well, my first baby pictures are me in a crib with a stick. So pretty much the moment I could walk had something to do with the lacrosse stick. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we were, uh, again, uh, pretty much brought up on the field. I mean, going to my father's games when he was coaching high school and when he was coaching at Hobart and UVA and also at the University of Maryland. Um, you know, we were going to practice with him and we were, dude, as soon, as soon as we could walk and run, we were playing lacrosse, but we played other sports as well. Um, football, basketball, swimming, diving. Um, you know, we grew up on the river. So there was a lot of, you know, water skiing and outdoor sports and um, nice. father took the family skiing. Now then the bad news about our ski trip is that my sister broke her leg, my brother bit through his tongue and my father broke his thumb. So um, it was an interesting <laughs> trip. trip. I think I was 15, I think I was 15 years old and I got to drive the van home. <laughs> That's awesome. So for those that don't uh, know your dad or, or have never heard of your dad, Buddy, Buddy Beardmore, Hall of Fame coach, um, Hall of Fame player. Was he a goalie as well or no? He was a midfielder. Okay. But as he pointed out, he, you know, midfielder attack, he was an offensive player, but he was, you know, a four-time or three-time, I think, three-time All-American at, at Maryland and played mm -hmm. on the world team and all the rest of the stuff that went around with it, you know, pretty much in – He's in every Hall of Fame that there is, either for as a player or as a coach. Coached the world team, two national championships. Um, he was an innovator, a motivator. Um, yeah. A very special, very special man. Is that where you say your coaching style comes from, from him? Or are there I, other folks that have really influenced how you coach the game? I would say, you know, absolutely. I was blessed. Uh, you know, my, I had a very unique upbringing, very unique childhood. Um, you know, how many kids get to go to uh, all, you know, I was in the locker room for every speech he gave. I mean, he took me and wow. my brother yeah. to all of the lacrosse games. He, you know, he took me to um, uh, spring break with the team. I slept in the bus, you know, up in the baggage carriers. Or, you know, I mean, it was a really neat, went to all of his lacrosse camps. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I coach a lot like him. Mm -hmm. um, and, and his theory is let's teach the kids how to play lacrosse. Um, and, and I got to coach with him. I mean, we have that documentary out that I'm currently editing film for. You can watch the first 30 minutes if you type in Jimmy Beardmore videos on YouTube. Um, and it's called the Jimmy Beardmore story. Now it was, uh, it was my, the last year that my father and I coached together. 
Um, and it was about us getting back to the state championship and actually winning. Um, but so I do, so to answer your question, yeah, I coach a lot like my father. Love it. Um, let's talk about that documentary. Cause you, you sent it over. I, I watched the, those entire 30 minutes. Um, and I got to say what you've put together so far is amazing. Uh, just got me pumped up. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, awesome. it was, it was so neat. I mean, I mean, how many people, um, get to have that type of footage where you're looking back and, I mean, the interaction was so, we have 130 or 140 hours of film that I'm editing. And um, it's just, I mean, some of the the scenes are just, some of them are really ultra funny. I mean, I actually caught him doing an end around. Um, I was trying to run more substitute, trying to run more middies because I wanted to run the other team into the ground. And he was mic'd up and I caught him having a conversation with the guy that runs our box and, he was saying how he wanted to keep the starters on. And I was just going, Oh my gosh, my father is running a conspiracy during a game. <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's, it, it was, it's, it was so much fun making it. And um, you know, and um, I'm having a lot of fun editing the film currently. It is, I'm not going to lie every once in a while. It's, it's hard. You know, here I am watching my sure. father who has since passed away. Right. Um, so, you know, it's little, little uh, tear jerkers here and there. But, um, sure, it hits you right it, in the emotions, it, it, for sure. It'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, what direction we go in is, um, you know, documentary and, and other, you know, books. And, but uh, but I'm homing in on it. I tell you, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I didn't have a whole lot of fun doing it because being mic'd up for all the time, you can uh, work your last nerve. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. One of the things you say in that documentary is, um, I think lacrosse is about two things. Lacrosse is about love and lacrosse is about hate. Could you explain what you mean by that? You know, I can't, and I, I don't want to <laughs> appear, I mean, when you say it like that, it's like, oh my gosh. But, you know, there's, an, there's a certain inherent violent nature to the sport. And uh, we all know that. And we like mm -hmm. that. Um, but there we also... So I think that having a genuine dislike for the team you're playing against isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, uh, you know, for those two hours that the game's going on. And then it's about love for your teammates. Um, and I honestly believe that. Um, we have the, uh, uh, we, my, my brother and I have the trademark to uh, be the best. And what be the best, in order to be the best player, to be the best teammate, your job is to make others around you better. And a genuine love for your teammates. And that's what I'm doing. Every practice, every game, I'm trying to make those that surround me better. So a love for your teammates and a genuine dislike for the team that you're playing against, again, because of the inherent violent nature of the sport, mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I think they're two pretty good things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I 100% agree. I, I um played with a lot of love, not only for my teammates, but just for like the sport of lacrosse itself. And I think anybody that's played, you know, an extended amount of competitive lacrosse will tell you like, it's a beautiful game and it gives you, it gives you so much. And like, if you respect the game, uh, you're going to go, you're going to go pretty far. And then, like you said, you know, having that, um, that dislike or maybe even hate for an opponent, like drives you, you know, that drives you to compete. Oh, absolutely. And then if, if we cut right through to the, okay, let's just say that winning is better than losing. We can all agree on that. All agree on all right? that. We can all agree on that. And there's that one stat in the sport of lacrosse that if I get 30 ground balls, my team, and you get 25, I win the game. I have like a 90% chance of winning that game if I get more ground balls. 
And ground balls is just a matter of imposing your will on the other team. Um, you know, it's a great time to let them know that they're, you're there all day, every day, and every ground ball that goes down is yours. Um, and, um, yeah, it, you know, it just works. <laughs> it, it just, I mean, after the game, kumbaya, we shake hands. You're a warrior. I'm a warrior. And, um, you know, but during the game, you know, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my favorite defenders to play with were those ones that were super, super um, violent. Right. I mean, if there's a ground ball, like they're getting in there, laying some hat, you know, like their, their slap checks are violent. Like they're lifting, they're poking, they're making life just an utter, an utter mess for the, for, for the, for the attack. And I mean, those are the guys as a goalie that you want to play with. Oh, there's do as a goalkeeper. <laughs> I was blessed. I played for Maryland lacrosse club my first year out of Maryland. And my defenseman was George McGinney. Mark Greenberg, Wayne McPartland. I mean, they were all 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", just big, yeah. nasty people. <laughs> I mean, greatest guys on the planet off the field. But on the field, man, they were just, you know, the, you know, we won the club championship that year. And um, it was quite, you know, there were no pro leagues, you know, anymore. So between MLC, us, and Long Island Lacrosse Club, those are the best players in the world were playing that night. And uh, yeah, the big, nasty, violent defenseman, I'm all for. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Cool. Well I, well, I got a bunch of questions about that documentary, but I figured we'd jump around a little bit. Um, so okay. if, if your dad was not a goalie, uh, you know, how did you go about learning uh, the goalie position? Um, you know what? I'm going to close this door. Wait, one. No can you yep. pause for one second? I'm sorry. Honestly, I started playing goalie. Uh, you know, because I would go to my father's camps and if they needed a goalie or whatever position they needed, I got to play different positions when I was growing up. And I highly recommend that coaches let their kids play different positions because mm -hmm. um, it only increases your lacrosse IQ. Um, but I started playing goalie in seventh or eighth grade. Um, I was not the biggest. I was usually the smallest one on the team. And I think that was one of the reasons I got moved there. But mm -hmm. I got to play, you know, midfield, attack, defense, learn how to face off, all the rest of that stuff, which just increases your cross IQ. But yeah, and when you know you watch old Jim Beardmore goalie highlights, I mean, you could really, you could really see it. I mean, you're like an active goalie. You're out of the crease. You're you're clearing the ball. Right. You're sprinting up the field. You're um, you're scoring goals, right? I actually asked, uh, actually asked. Um, Mike of Osden, I said, I said, um, hey, I'm going to interview Jim Beardmore later today. What, what question should I ask him? And he said, ask him about the story about when he ran down the field uh, to clear a ball, ran around the goal two times, shot and got saved and then had to sprint all the way back and make a save. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. Uh, um, I, that had probably happened more than once. <laughs> um, I thought that being an active goalie was, uh, was really important um, mm -hmm. that, you know, you're going to it's not just make the saves. It's, you know, are you going to get two or three ground balls a game? Are you going to pick off a pass or a feed? Yeah. Are you going to get, are you going to get involved in both riding and, and clearing? Um, but you know, I do, I do remember one time we were playing against Navy and I ran all the way down and I handed it to Brendan Hanley and I said, don't move until I get back to the goal. And he started <laughs> chuckling. Uh, because uh, I think that they had, you know, the bad news is that if you come out of the goal like that every once in a while, uh, you don't make it back. <laughs> yeah. But, um, wow. 
but being a but the, but the, I think that you know active active goalies are good. I, I want my yeah. goalkeeper to be you know at any ground ball around the cage. I want them to come out and be involved in that. Yeah. Um, but I was um and thank you mom and dad for genetically helping me out. I was blessed with um with a little bit of speed and that that helped a lot too. <laughs> yeah. The other thing about learning, you know, the other positions, I mean, especially learning how to play defense is you can be uh, a second coach as a goalie. You can be a second coach on oh. the field. W- was that your style of play? Like I know you're. you're I remember a- that um, Dickie Dell, who was my coach at Maryland, and he got interviewed and he said that he said, uh, Jimmy's like having a coach out on the field. And, and that's part of being a goalkeeper as well. I mean, you know, as well as I know that you make all the saves you should, a couple that you shouldn't, good clearing decisions and be a team leader. And yep. that's your job. Yep. Um, so, I mean, you're the one that's, you. I mean, you, I mean, our senior year, we went undefeated um, and beat everybody. And the reason we did is because we communicated on defense like it was no one's business. I mean, in order mm-hmm. to get a shot off on us, you had to make two or three passes i mean Mm -hmm. we had we had the first second and third slide all set up before you were even ready yeah love it love it um when you got to maryland um and started playing there from a goalie standpoint did did your game change at all um you know what um the coaching staff uh had a little bit of difficulty with my (laughs) coming out a lot um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I had to, um, you know, a stat was brought up to me, Kevin O'Leary, who was my goalie coach. Um, he said, do you know that you threw the ball away, you know, twice a game? And it was because I was throwing underhanded and stuff like that and behind the back. And um, I had to slow, I had to be, um, I had to increase my stick skills. I mean, I had to be the best passer on the team because at division one, if you make a bad pass, it comes down on you and it's usually a, you know, a five on four, four on three, three V two. Um, so you have to be a really, really good passer. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I know for a fact that at, by the time I got to be a senior, I was pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. That, that helped a lot. You really can't afford to make mistakes out of the cage at that point. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to have success as a lacrosse goalie. And you got guys in the PLL that are 6'3", 6'4", real big frames, right. fill up a lot of the goal. They're sort of back in the goal. Um, you mentioned you being on the shorter side. I'm also on the shorter side. I'm curious, like, what, how, if you had to describe what your style of play was like making saves, how, how would you do that? I would say um, float and flow was more of my style. I, I, I'm a really a little confused um, at the styles that they're teaching today, I got to be honest with you. It seems like everybody's happy with like a 52, 53, or 54% save percentage. Um, I'm not happy with that. I, I, it seems as if the goalies are charging the ball and just they're making the ball move faster. Um, I know the players have changed, uh, but physics hasn't. And if I keep decreasing the distance between the shooter and me by charging the ball, um, you're going to get yourself at some trouble. I just see a lot of goals getting scored that I think that if they were just patient and played more of a flatter arc and float mm-hmm. and flowed um, instead of charging the ball. So I, I think that um, I was very relaxed in the cage. I didn't stand rigid with my stick, you know, at 12 and six holding mm-hmm. it like this, my arms across my body. I used to you're kind like, of like a 45. 
Yeah, I like to float the stick in front of me. Um, um, I don't want to break the glass by lunging and pressing the stick. I want to use both hands and using the stick going back and forth. Um, I don't want to give rebounds. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it seems as if, uh, so I guess that would be my, my style of play was to stay back and make a shooter be a shooter. My mm -hmm. father taught me one thing. He says, if the ball comes at you, don't move. And uh, <laughs> I see, and I've seen it over and over again. I saw a division one lacrosse game where a guy came up and cranked and had the goalie just stood there. It would have hit him in the stick. There's yeah. just so much lunging and flying out of the ball. And uh, I'm having I'm having difficulty grasping it while we're teaching that style, to be quite honest with you. It's interesting. I, my, my approach is there's no like one right way to play. And oh, I, think I, there's, I, on that note, um, you know, I teach certain things that, you know, you, you have to float to stick. You have to um, be light on your feet. You have to let your core move. You know, I can't be rigid. I can't, you know, close out all the energy pathways, which exist in the body. But me trying to teach you to play like me or you trying to teach somebody else to play exactly like you, every goalie has their individual style. Yeah. But there are certain things that everybody has to do. You have to track the ball. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can't be so down in the saddle that you can't get out. You can't be so loaded that I can't get out. You have to have decent positioning. Um, I can't have my hands too close together. I, you know, there's certain things that all goalies do, but every goalie adapts their style. There's no question. Yeah. You mentioned a couple terms there that I just want to make sure I understand. Um, and the first one's so the first one's float. Um, and so are you talking about just kind of having like real light hands kind of having like, I'm saying I'm, I'm watching the goal. I'm watching goaltenders today and they have their arms extended way out in front of them and they got nowhere to go. If my arms are extended, that means that my energy pathways are closed. If I float the stick and bring it back towards my body, now I have somewhere to go. Yeah. I don't understand. To me, the stick should be floating in front of you and not stretched out, extended. Once your arms get extended, your shoulders are extended, all the energy flow is cut off. Now I actually yeah. have to even bring the stick back before I go forward again, and I don't understand. Yeah. So floating, so floating the stick in front of you. Is, is, you know, the turn. Did, did yeah, that got explain it, it? Got it. Yeah, yeah, it does. In fact, I was looking at some tape of a, of a, a female goalie. Um, and one of the points I made is like when girls would come in and get, she would kind of like put her stick out and kind of like try and, you know, block and like kind of get right. in the face. And I was basically saying like, at that point, like you, you've showed that shooter your cards, like you've committed to that thing. And in lacrosse, it is so easy to change the angle of a shot. I mean, you could, go right here and just a little, little turn of the wrist. I'm shooting from a 45, like a, a, a totally different angle. So I think we're on the same page there. You gotta, you gotta sit back. You gotta see that ball. And only then when that shooter commits, do you go and make that save? No question about it. And again, from a, from a, um, I trained professional athletes for years, professional football players, um, mm -hmm. uh, Jerome, Jerome Bettis. I worked with guys at the NFL combines, Denver Bronco players. I went to the Utah jazz training camp. So I did speed and strength training, and all the rest of that stuff. And, you know, and, and got all the degrees in biomechanics and all the rest of crap that goes along with it. And, uh, and I'm telling you, once you're extended like that, from a physiological standpoint, I can't recruit other muscle groups to move that stick. Yeah, I can't, I can't, right. I, again, the energy pathways, which exist within the body, 
Um, the whole body is interconnected. There's no such thing as an isolation contraction. It doesn't exist. There's myofascial lines that connect your entire body from your big toe all the way up to the crown of your head. And once I'm extended or rigid, um, I'm not as quick as I should be. Um, I, um, I also don't understand with the feet turned out. Um, uh, I, I've never mm -hmm. seen a, a, um, a, uh, any goalie in any sport, soccer, hockey, turning their feet out. I've never seen um, a NBA guard go, turn your feet out, it makes you quicker. I've never seen, you know, on the, in the NFL, I've never seen a cornerback come up to a guy and stand duck footed in front of him because it makes him quicker. Um, right. I, I don't, I mean, I'm, feet, I'm, feet I'm square to the shooter, say, feet square to the shooter yeah. is what you coach feet yep. square to the shooter. And if you want to, you know, a slight turn here, a slight turn there, as we pivot to get better positioning as the shooter mm -hmm. moves is understandable. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I just I, I just think, to be quite honest with you, I think that some of the goalies are being misguided um, a little bit, just a little bit. Um, as well, to, that's why uh, we're doing this podcast. We're, we're here to guide the goalies in the right direction. Um, and it's I'm good. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, there's so much out there. There's so much there's so much. Um, these days, I mean, when, when, I mean, certainly in your day, I graduated in 2003, this was before YouTube. So there wasn't as much online lacrosse as there is right now. And I think kids these days have a lot uh, of an advantage. Like if you want, you can go watch 15 lacrosse games on YouTube right now, uh, which oh, yeah. is awesome. It's totally Agreed. awesome. Yeah. Um, who is the, uh, who's the best goalie you ever coached? Um, let me see. Well, I think back to, well, Mike Gavazin was the best high school goalie I ever coached. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys um, are one of the best coaches in the game right now. If you ask me, the goalie Smith guys, I mean, yeah. they're awesome. They're great. I've had um, them on the show twice. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael was absolutely the best high school goalie I ever coached. What the made him so great? Uh, he had great, he had very quick hands. He had great positioning. Um, you know, dude, he had been starting on varsity since he was in ninth grade. Um, mm, yep. He had good defensemen around him. Um, you're only as good as the defense around you, but Mike was very consistent. Um, and, and he could come up with the big save once in a while. He was a decent clearer. Um, uh, he was athletic out of the cage, not, not, overly athletic, but he was capable of coming out and grabbing a loose ball. He was capable. If I wanted to use him in a 10 man ride, he would do that. He was a good leader too. Mm, Real yeah. good leader. I mean, it got, it got, when it got to his senior year, I let him call the defensive fly packages. I, I would actually go, Hey Mike, what package are you in? Um, you know, and that might be on a fast break. What package are we in? Are we, you know, are, have we changed? Did you go to a zone when the ball went out? I would allow him to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and that was cool. That was yeah. cool. It's, it's great. It's great having a coach on the field because he has a much better view than I do. Um, as far as I coached Trevor Tierney for the outlaws, Trevor was, uh, just a pure stopper. Yep. And he played a very deep arc. I mean, his right. butt was actually inside the goal. Teams would complain. They go, that's a goal because he would make the save from behind GLE. And I was like, oh, you know, you're right, but <laughs> they're never going to call that. They're never going to call that a goal, right? 
No, no. Uh, yeah. Now, Ricky Schwartzman had, he had the best outlet pass of any goalie that I've ever coached. I mean, he had a cannon. Just, I mean, he would get up, he'd stand at the top of the crease, he'd throw it 60 yards on a rope to a guy running down the field and put it right into his stick. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, going back to, to, to Mike Gavazdan, there's this clip in the documentary where he's pumping up the team kind of like mid- I, I, it might be, is it pregame or, or practice? And he's basically talking like strategy, you know, like, Hey, we got to get gritty. We got to get in the goalie's head. And you're like, you know what, Mike, for the first time, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Was that kind of said in jest or, or did you guys kind of like kind of go back and forth on, on, on your uh, approach? Every once in a while, Michael, um, you know, he started since he was in ninth grade. So Michael was confident. Mm -hmm. um, and every once in a while you had to pull him back a little bit. <laughs> uh, I remember one story where Michael kept throwing long outlet passes and he's right the guy that was open and he was open you know across the midfield line but you have to recognize who you're throwing it to sometimes oh, yeah. that that player might not be good enough to catch that 50 yard over the shoulder on a run pass and uh, I remember specifically calling a timeout and walking out <laughs> And Mike and I had a, uh, we had a talk and <laughs> it, it was, it was made clear that he needs to make a smarter clearing pass every once in a while. But Mike and I had a very good relationship. I loved coaching him when I was at Smarter Park. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, your coaching style, it, 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 I mean, just in watching the documentary, obviously this is the first time we've met one another, but in just looking at the documentary, it reminded me quite a bit of, of my college coach, uh, Joe Proud, who was an All-American um, at, at Duke. And played hey, Joe Proud. You know Joe? Absolutely. Yeah, coach Proud? Awesome. Yeah. Um, tough. Tough. Like, he, he is going to push you and push the team for everything that they've got to, you know, as, as that phrase you used earlier, to be the best. And to me, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is exactly your coaching style. Oh, um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty high intensity, high energy thing. Um, uh, we expect I expect players to perform. Um, you know, the old my bad when they drop the ball. And, I'm, you know, my thought is, you know, if, if it hits your stick, you should catch it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We actually even do bad pass drills. But, yeah, my intensity is um, I, I do try to. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. My, my father said, you need to te keep teaching, keep teaching, Jim. And as long as I keep teaching, things go really well. I mean, every once in a while you might get really amped up and it might be, you know, um, at a practice, you know, on the backfields that sometimes people might not be concentrating enough. Um, and you might, you know, get a little excitable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you saw that in some of the video. Uh, or during a game, but I tell you, I learned you got to stay calm. You just got to stay cool. I mean, it's okay, but you, and you got to keep teaching. You got just keep teaching, keep teaching. I had an athletic director came up to me, a guy named Wayne Mook at Savannah Park, and we'd lost a game, and he goes, "You stopped teaching," and he brought that to my attention, and uh, that's the one thing that I learned: keep teaching, keep coaching, keep teaching, keep coaching. Um, you know, but yes, uh, I, I, I am absolutely a member of the All Snap Club. I've lost my mind before at games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you do your best to not let that happen, but uh, it's a pretty emotional. There's a lot of emotional stuff going on. So yeah, well, I'm sure. Um, 
just like a lot of my my buddies, we sit around, we tell Coach Proud stories. I'm sure a lot of the guys that played for you sit around and tell Coach Beardmore stories. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 sure of that. I'm sure of that. <laughs> they they tend they t- tend to get exaggerated at times. Oh, as they um, do, I, yeah. I uh, I do point that out. I go, this seems like an exaggeration. Right. Um, um, but then I'm like, well, it's it's it it definitely sounds like it could have happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I just think that we're getting a little bit exaggerated. Yeah. What? So going to that that phrase of "be the best," um, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of a um, the, the the name of the documentary is "Don't Be Normal," right? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, those kind of go together, right? Like, what would you say to someone who's kind of struggling with that? Like, the, the, okay, some people very much have the idea of like, hey, I want to be the best. I want to be D1. Other goalies are like, eh. Right. Um, you know what? I think that mediocrity is being promoted in our society, and I don't like it, and I don't support it. And I think that, hey, man, just do your best. Try, just try your hardest partner. I mean, I get that. Not everybody's going to be the best, but I think you should extend yourself you know, extend yourself. My father used to say, you need to work harder. And um, I'm currently writing a piece right now uh, that addresses that, (laughs) but be the best. So you bring the guys in one, two, three, be the best. Now that day, it just means be the best lacrosse player you can possibly be out here because we, we want to win. So be the best. Let's today, let's be the best lacrosse team out here. Mm -hmm. But if we go a little deeper than that, in order to be the best, lacrosse player, in order to be the best teammate, doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever profession you go into, you have to remember something. You have to remember that your actions affect others. Your actions affect others. So if you ask coaches, why'd you draft that guy? Why'd you get him to come to your college or high school? Because he makes other players around him better. Why did you hire that guy in whatever business it is? because he makes other employees around him better. So we're trying to remove selfishness. You can't be the best if you don't realize that your actions affect others. The quantum entanglement of life exists and that's what be the best means. In order to be the best, I gotta realize that, hey man, I am not the only person out there. Uh, My decisions, the people within my inner circle, the people on my team, the people within my circle of influence are going to be affected. So I got to make my decisions, you know, carefully. And uh, Love it. I think that, I think that that's really important. And the whole don't be normal thing. It means don't be a normal lacrosse player. Don't make a panic pass. Don't forget the offense. Don't run off sides. Don't do the late hit. Be a smart lacrosse player. Because mm-hmm. the smarter team wins, okay? The team that makes the adjustments to, as to what are, and takes away the other team's strengths, that team wins. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah, love it. And as, as a goalie, um, I mean, this is my, my style as well. Like, I mean, you can make others around you, like, some specific things you can do. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. give, giving your all um, – giving your all in every practice, right? I mean, doing all the sprints, do it and, and like trying to lead the team. If you're a goalie and you can like lead the team and like when you're doing a stadium and the goalie's out there like towards the, the front, like oh, yeah. to me, that's pushing everyone else, right? I think the goalie should be the best trained athlete on the field. Agree. Um, I do. Uh, that, uh, that, that's my stick. Uh, you know, I used to run the Maryland, the stadium steps after practice every day. 
because I run I the, all this, the, run a stadium after practice every day. I love it. Yes, sir. Every, yeah. every step in the stadium a- after practice, what do you do? I'm going to go run the stadium steps. I'm going to be the first one to the weight room and the last one to leave. I'm going to make sure that when we do time runs, I want to be the guy that wins. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that everybody should start extending themselves a little bit because you have no idea how much you have, just what you can accomplish when you put, have that type of effort and that type of focus, you know, and, um, and on that note, all young goalies, um, you could save every shot that's ever taken on you. I'm, I'm done. The, we talk about the, the mindset of being an all-American goalie or being the best goalie in your, on your team or being the best goalie in your division. you got to believe you can make every single save taken on you. You can. It doesn't always work out like that, but mm-hmm. you got to believe you can. you got to believe you can. And, and that attitude, I think, is really, really important. What do you, you, you coach quite a few goalies uh, nowadays, right? I do. Yeah. So what, what do you do when you see it? Cause that, that level of confidence that you're talking about is certainly like something that like a goalie will just like give off. You, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's their energy. That's their vibe. That's their attitude. What do you say to a goalie who doesn't have that, who doesn't think they can make all the shots? Like coach, like that, that's a 90 mile an hour crank shot, 10 yards away. Like what, what's your thoughts there? you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, if they say I can't make that, yes, you can. You can't yet because it's new to you. And we're going to teach you how, mm-hmm. um, by how to read the shooter, the body posturing of the shooter. I'm going to teach you how to make those saves, but you have to believe that you can make them. And we're talking about self-confidence. Self-confidence isn't something you have. Self-confidence is something that you create and you create that self-confidence through preparation. Through me shooting, um, I might shoot, you know, yeah, uh, 90 miles an hour right over your left shoulder, but I'm going to shoot that shot in the same exact place over and over and over again until you make the save without thinking. Until, you know, then when the body makes decisions, the first thing that it is is a neuromuscular reaction, right? Neuromuscular. Mm-hmm. The second thing is emotional, and the other one is behavioral. We want to take the emotional out. And just mm-hmm. go with the neuromuscular recognition and then the behavior to make the save. So um, they can uh, yeah. and they will. <laughs> but again, it, it's all about preparation. Again, if you want to be a really good goalie, um, uh, did you learn how to juggle? Um, uh, do you do your, your distance work with your stick? Um, do you do the wall work that's required? Do you have people shooting on you? Do you go to the weight room? Do you do quickness and agility drills? Do you do eye-hand coordination? Did you learn how to play racquetball? Uh, you know, all these things. I mean, it's not like it, it. It's all about preparation. Your preparation is how you create self-confidence. Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree with that. I think a lot of youth goalies, um, you know, kind of freak out because they don't have confidence. And they say, well, how, how do I get confidence? And um Actually, I had Doc on on the on the pod. I interviewed Doc, and um, yeah. I asked, like, I mean, he's got a swagger, you know, like like he's got a swagger. And I asked him, like, you know, how are you so confident? And and his answer was exactly what you just said. He's like, Damon, I'm so confident because I've put in, you know, thousands of hours of wall ball, thousands of hours of, right. of shots. So I know what I'm capable of, and I put in the preparation, and that gives me the opportunity to be confident. So like when you hear these young kids who are just starting saying, how do I get confidence? Like 
put in the work is what I always say. Put in, dude, put in the work. And, you know, you can even go like this. Let's be pragmatic in our thought process. If you're not confident, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. If I'm, have you ever seen somebody that's, you know, oh, you know, he just, he's just lacking confidence. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't work in, in sports, in life. Okay, you got to walk eyes forward, shoulders back, walking slow and low like nothing's mm. going to happen until you get there. Um, and that's not arrogant. That it's, it's just walking, again, with the swagger of a champion, which, um, you know, which goes in all sports. I mean, you can see it when you look at somebody. Yeah, I love it. What other, uh, what other like leadership tips do you have for, for young goalies who, you know, are kind of coming into maybe a new team or, you know, how, how do you coach goalies to be better leaders of the team? Well, you lead through example. I mean, you're, you know, that means you've got to get there. You got to be there on practice. You got to be the guy that's willing to make others around you better. You got to be mm -hmm. the guy that's talking to the defense about the slide packages. Um, you got to be the guy that doesn't place blame on, you know, on the defenses being played or we played a better team or, you know, or you got to be the goalie. You know what? Dave Cottle came up to me when I was in ninth grade and he was my coach at Severn and I played the summer league game and he came up and he said, you know what your problem is? I was in ninth grade because you're an asshole. <laughs> and because I was banging the pipes and throwing my stick and, you know, and I didn't have control, you know, you want to, play with emotion, but it has to be controlled emotion. Um, you know, a lot of the players will see that about you. And again, if you want to be a good leader, make all the saves you should, a couple you shouldn't, good clearing decisions and, um, uh, and, and lead through being a positive guy, you know, okay. You know, we, we can get this, we can do this. I mean, all of it, yeah. you know, everything you're saying, everything you're doing is positive, is positive. Negative thoughts are poison. Let's try to keep away from them. I love that comment. Yeah. Positivity and um, optimism are, are so important um, yeah. in lacrosse and just any, anything you do, anything you do really. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how so many skills that you've learned that you learn in the, in the sport of lacrosse, especially as being a goalie, but, but in the sport of lacrosse then sort of transfer over um, yeah. to, to, to life. The life, the life lessons learned in sports are very applicable to the life lessons that you're going to apply forever <laughs> totally totally uh, a couple questions for you about about coaching um what was your what was your proudest moment as a coach oh wow um you, you're gonna think this is funny i hope i was coaching a team in colorado and it was called lax dog and it was my club organization we had 11 guys because of, it was during the summer and vacations and things of that nature. And we had a team show up from Colorado Springs that had 40. Wow. And we beat them. <laughs> we had attack playing midi, midi playing attack, defense switching poles. Yeah. I was so incredibly proud of the 11 kids. We had one substitution and this team showed up in a packed bus with 50 parents in cars and, and we beat them. And nice. I gotta be honest with you, that was so really, really, really cool. I mean, aside from all that stuff, but you know what, I gotta be the coolest coaching experience that I ever had, had nothing to do with lacrosse. Mm. 
I was a blind ski guide working in Aspen, Colorado. And I had a 13 year old girl who uh, I was guiding. She was a United States ski team. And she said she never, she didn't know what it felt like to snowboard because I was just her guide as we went through the gates. And mm -hmm. she said, I'd really like to know what it feels like to snowboard. So um, I turned off my radio. We went to the other side of the mountain. We left everybody and I taught her how to snowboard. It was the coolest coaching, teaching experience of my entire life. And it had nothing to do with lacrosse. That's awesome. What, what an amazing experience for her and for, and for yeah. you, I imagine as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It helped me. It helped me too. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. But, you know, winning the state championships at Serena Park was cool. I mean, I can't mm -hmm. lie on that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, losing a state championship and then having them film the whole next season was uh, uh, was quite an honor and a privilege to uh, to do all that. When does the documentary take place? That's the season right after the you guys lost the state championship? 2006. Yeah. Got it. Yep. And Got um, it. I have the uh, – I'm just now – I got the the rights to the film and I'm just now finishing up the last half. Cool. There's some good goalies in there too. We talked about Mike Gavazdan, but then on um, Severn is um, Brian Phipps. Phipps. Mike Phipps. Yeah. I just saw him the other day. Yeah. He was, he was a lot of fun to coach as well. I coached him for a little bit at Severn when he was early in his career before I went to Sorona Park. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give away all the lines of the of the of the documentary, but there's another one that that made me laugh out loud when you're kind of giving a, a pre a pregame speech and you're talking about the Severn guys and you're like, you know, they're they're these rich, spoiled brats. I know I went there. <laughs> oh, man, I, I was laughing out loud. That was a great line. And then if I could do one more, if I could do one more, then when you tell when you tell your dad, you're you're like, Man, I would I would fire you if you weren't in the Hall of Fame. Just just a classic <laughs> classic line. <laughs> Wait till there's one in there where I was mad we were we were we were winning the game at halftime, and we're obviously obviously going to win because we have more talent. We have better lacrosse players, but we're not winning the right way. You know, we're, there's a lot mm. of selfish play, and you know, yeah. And I was so mad, and my father walked up, and at halftime he put me in a timeout. He said, and he said, you need to coach better. Mm. And I'll never forget that. And he was right. If, if the yeah. kids aren't disciplined enough and you're not, and you get mad at the kids, but at the end of the day, as a coach, it's your responsibility to make sure people know what to do and how to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about the, what about the other end of that? What would you say is, was one of your uh, most difficult moments as, as a coach? Oh my gosh, I know exactly what this one was too. So we were playing boys Latin and I was coaching at Severn and we beat them in overtime and um, something came out of my mouth that I shouldn't have said. I said, bleepity bleep boys Latin. Mm -hmm. Well, the next game, I mean, the next game I was um, not allowed to be on the sidelines and I watched my team lose. And it was a very difficult lesson. I'm not saying we would have won just because of me being on the sidelines, mm -hmm. but we would have had a better chance. And I had to sit up in the box and I had to have the guys that, you know, the athletes were looking up, you know, give us some guidance. 
what should we do? You know, you see this look on their eyes and, and there's a bond. I mean, there's so much work and hard energy and hours and hours in the weight room and hours on the field and hours at team dinners and hours. Yeah. The, the bond is so great, but I had to sit there and watch us lose that game because I lost my temper mm -hmm. after the game and said something that I shouldn't have. And um, it was quite the lesson. Um, but I learned it never happened again. <laughs> I was going to ask that because you're such a you're such a fiery competitor and um, enjoy the choice language from what I've seen in, in the movie, in the documentary. Uh, so mm -hmm. for, but, but you did learn. And from that point, it never happened again. No, sir. All no, right. sir. I, uh, there's uh, there's no need for it. And, you know, during games, sometimes language comes out that you would never use anywhere else. Sure. I mean, there's so much emotion and so much passion and it just, and sometimes two coaching staffs might not like each other because there's a history that goes on between them. Yeah. And that's a very real, that's a real thing as well. Um, but yeah, you, you gotta, um, you gotta coach with passion, but just like being an athlete, uh, you have to, you know, controlled emotional response is highly recommended. Yep. Yeah. There's one point in that documentary where, um, you know, you're basically saying like, oh man, I love game days. Um, and I think that kind of captures a lot of what you're talking about, that emotion there. What, what, do you, what do you love about game days so much? I just think, I mean, it's the accumulation of all the hard work and all the preparation. And here you are, you're under the lights and, you know, you're going to let the kids play and you're going to put all the kids in the right position to be successful. And um, it's just... It's just so cool to watch the kids make adjustments and watch the coaches make adjustments and you see everybody, you know, learning and getting better. Or you see some stumbles, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, you get the whole gamut. Um, and not to mention that in the sport of lacrosse, because of the inherent violent nature of the sport, I mean, you got to be really focused and really intentional on everything you do because people get hurt. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's not on each at the high school varsity level. I mean, you're going to see one player from each team who's, you know, day is going to be finished. Their season might be ended. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a lot at stake. Um, and it's, it's just, and, and you spend so few time actually playing your sport. And that's what you try to teach the athletes to do. You got to learn to love to prepare. You only spend about 10 to 15% actually playing the sport that you love. Mm -hmm. So when you do get out there, it's time to let everything hang out. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's go time. Um, here we go. You know, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we used to call it a payday. We used to call it a payday because you know you put in all that work and like this is yeah. this is what you're which is what you're putting in the work for to get paid. Um, and and that was your reward was was being able to play Friday night under the lights, yeah. sidelines packed with people. They've had a few adult beverages. They're letting the other team know exactly uh, what they feel about them. And and man, it's it's to me that's what it was all about. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an intense, cool thing, man. <laughs> awesome. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now coaching goalies? Is there, um, is there some place people um, should go to check you out? Um, they could go, uh, uh, check me out at 
you know, my, my, uh, my email address, which is JMS Beardmore okay. uh, at gmail.com. Um, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Um, I'm also, I am doing um, be the best speaking engagements. Um, I got to go address a couple of division one teams. Um, and I go up there and I talk about life and I talk about, um, you know, uh, try to guide the young student athletes to the landmines that do in fact exist. Mm. Um, being a student athlete nowadays. What, what are some of those landmines? Maybe just like the well, top ones. Uh, you yeah. know, you got to be careful out there. You're only one decision away from losing just about everything. I mean, mm. it, all it takes, I mean, I, you know, I, I've known a multitude of high school players that they've got the scholarship lined up, they've got everything going and all it takes is one bad decision. You know, either they are at a party or they get caught doing, acting like a knucklehead at school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's very real out there. Very real. And every athlete has to be very, very careful in their decision-making process. Yeah. You know, especially with the media that's out there, it's very easy to get pulled in different directions. It's very easy to make a bad decision. It's very easy to forget that you're being judged by the people you hang out with. Um, you know, I mean, it's out there. Um, I'd like to say one more thing on that as well. Um, I got involved. I got involved in a very fast-paced lifestyle when I came out of college. Trained professional athletes, doing uh, you know stuff on exercise TV, representing Warrior, you know, traveling the world, Australia, Germany, Japan, all the rest of that stuff. And I also got involved, and I had a, some trouble with drugs and alcohol for a long period of time. Um, and because of my unique childhood and my unique platform, I also try to help people that are involved within, uh, I like to call it the discovery community. Um, and uh, that's, a, that's a big part of what I do now. Great. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very excited about doing that. So, you know, I've got the documentary that's going to be coming out. I'm also doing Be the Best Stuff together with my brother. Uh, also doing individual goalie training. I'm also working with coaches. Um, just because you were a good coach, does, I mean, a good player doesn't make you a good coach. Uh, you got to learn how to be a good coach. Um, you really do. It's not something that you just walk out and do. Um, it's hard. And a lot of young, co- yeah. yeah, and a lot of young coaches need guidance. And so I work, I'm also working with a lot of, um, you know, mentoring student athletes that are starting to go down the wrong path. Um, be that with, um, you know, drugs and or alcohol. You just have to be aware that it's out there. You have to be aware that you got to be careful. Um, you know, I, and that's pretty much what I do. I, I'm not really telling them exactly what to do and when. I'm just making them aware. Mm. These pitfalls are there. They exist. They're real. And you have to give them respect. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, cool. Um, when the documentary comes out, let me know. I'll, I'll share that, um, that clip that it kind of was like a promo clip. Is that, is that the right yeah. way to call it? Yeah. That'd be great. That yeah. promo clip and, um, let me know when it comes out. Let me know what I can do to, to help promote it. And, um, Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been, a, this has been awesome, uh, chatting with you. You feel like we missed anything or is that, was that pretty good? No, pretty I, good don't, conversation I don't, I don't think so. I, I really, you know, I know we didn't talk about me talking about, you know, my last 13 years of, you know, dude, I've, I went to, uh, you know, I did a year in jail. I did, I was homeless on the streets. Um, 
quite for quite some time. I mean, I lost everything. Mm. Um, and I'm just now making my comeback. And the second half of my life is going to be very, very exciting, uh, especially oh. with this documentary and especially with um, helping people that are involved in the recovery community and also helping student athletes not to make some of the mistakes that I did. Um, yeah. And lacrosse and sports, as good as they are, they're going to offer these athletes a lot, a lot. They're open up a lot of doors, but you got to be careful. It's also, there's going to be some dark pathways that you can wander down. And um, you got to be aware and you got to be careful of these things and you got to recognize them. Well, that's great that you're able to uh, coach others to avoid, like, I guess that trap that, that you fell into. Because sometimes, I mean, you got to walk through it. You got to hit rock bottom before you really um, dedicate yourself well, well, to, like, this, coming back dude, up, right? Let, let's remember, okay, we don't want people to hit rock bottom. Very few people get out of rock bottom. I'm just telling you. I've been involved in this shit for 13, 14, 15 years. I've been to 14 or 15 different rehabs. I mean, dude, I've surfed it, skied it, jumped it. I've done the research. I've been there. I've been in the streets. I've been in the jails. I've been, I mean, dude, when I try to tell you I went rock star, I'm hoping that you can tell by the look in my face and the tone of my voice that that, in fact, is what went down. So um, these kids have got to be aware of it. Um, I told, I spoke to the University of Maryland's lacrosse team. And I was like, look, dude, um, you know, you guys are talking about plowing through chicks like it's your job and you're a college. I get that. I get the conquest. I get it. But there's a real and present danger out there. Your heart could become hardened because of these behaviors. And you could be you could be so you can't recognize love. You can't give love. You can't accept love. It can happen. It's a real thing. And uh, dude, there's just a lot of things out there that, that, that being an athlete, you, you have to be aware of. And, um, and I'm willing to talk, talk about all of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I feel like we could chat for hours. Maybe we'll have to come back and we'll have to do a, do a part two sometime. Um, I think that would, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Well, Jim is awesome to meet you. Awesome to chat with you. Uh, you know, thanks for everything you've done for the game and, and for goalies. And I, I can't wait to, to watch that full documentary. So like I said, let me know when that comes out. Oh, and, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to send you a couple clips that nobody else has seen. Ooh, and I'll, right. send them to, I'll send them to all you on your messenger on your phone. And yeah, yeah. They're I just about, they're like 30 seconds each, but you're, you're enjoying them. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Beardmore, thank you so much. All right, man. Peace. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that episode with the great Jim Beardmore. Some awesome, awesome stuff in there. I feel like we could have kept going for hours. And in fact, I might invite Jim back on to talk a little bit about uh, drug and alcohol abuse, a topic that is very relevant for uh, really all people, but, but definitely for athletes as well. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Jim. Hope you picked out a few things that will help you in your lacrosse goalie game. That'll do it this week. Lacrosse season is right around the corner. Hope you're getting excited. Hope you're getting your work in. Once again, I am Coach Damon Wilson. It's been a pleasure spending time with you. Take care. You've been listening to the Lax Goalie Rack Podcast with your host, Coach Damon Wilson.